Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, hospitality. You know, hospitality has gotten a bad rap. People think the wrong thing about hospitality. I think it might be Pinterest's fault, and before that it was Glossy Magazine Cover's fault, or maybe Martha Stewart. Well, whoever fault it is, it doesn't really matter, but I'm going to talk to you about what real hospitality is, and hopefully you'll be so encouraged you're going to run out to Trader Joe's or Costco and buy muffins if you don't like to bake, And text someone and say, would you come over and sit on my back porch this week? I know it's a sheltered home, maybe in your area still, and you don't want to get anybody sick, but you still want to meet with someone. It doesn't have to be a big deal. In fact, the title for this today is, It Doesn't Have to Be a Big Deal. We're going to talk about hospitality from God's point of view, how He does it. Can you imagine? He does hospitality every day when He invites you to Himself, how He enjoys it how he loves watching us enjoy it. My sister sent me a great towel. It had the initials WWMD. What would Martha do? And it was funny because my friend Cecily thought the towel was about Martha in the Bible. She's just too spiritual for me. No, what would Martha Stewart do? I'm sure Martha Stewart would tell me all sorts of things that I do wrong uh, on my table, how I cook, at my porch. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, God is the ultimate host. He welcomed us a long time ago to his table. He wanted our company. That is an amazing thought. We might get company we don't necessarily want. It's happened to me on a couple of occasions. Of course, I would never say their names. I'm sure it was my attitude. We won't tell anyone that's how we're really feeling. But God always wants our company. That means you. He's continually in the process of preparing for our coming. He keeps the door ajar even, anticipating, welcoming, maybe checking at the window to see if we're on our way. Jesus said, He who drinks of my living water will never thirst again. I'm thirsty just reading about that and because I've been uh, talking a lot today. He who drinks of my living water will never thirst again. I mean, that was amazing news to a woman who had to carry empty jars to a well every day, fill them up and take them back. And she had to do it when no one else was there because she was a shamed woman. He said this promise to a woman. He wanted her at his table. He who drinks of my living water will never thirst again. He wanted her at his table forever, and he sent us the same invitation. That is hospitality. Now, depending on our background or our upbringing, we can either feel really comfortable and positive about hospitality, or we can feel very uncomfortable and insecure about the whole idea. In fact, some people, it just makes them sick to their stomach. If the subject comes up, somehow that appointment for a root canal starts looking really good. If someone asks for volunteers, hey, whose house, who who wants to house the 
the Bible study next month, you just keep your hand down. You just say, you know what? That's for the extroverts. That's for the good cooks. It is not for me. Now, my friend Cecily loves having people over. In fact, she goes into a a little bit of a funk if she hasn't served food to someone other than her family two weeks in a row. I know this. She's told me that. Every time we come over, her husband quietly thanks us for coming because it's kept Cecily from going into the depths of despair like Anne of Green Gables. Cecily thrives on cooking for others. And when, and when she's done, she always says, wasn't that delicious? And we say, of course, it was good. Cecily enjoys the gift that God has given her. And hospitality is listed in the spiritual gifts in a couple of places in the Bible. But in many places in scripture, it It has nothing to do with a spiritual gift. It's a command. And God's commands are not suggestions. They are things that we need to pay attention to and do by faith. Now, Cecily loves hospitality partly because she was raised that way. Her mama Marion, as we like to call her, was and is a great example to her and passed it on in abundance. I know I've been to mama Marion's house. But of course, not everyone was raised by mama Marion. What do you do then? Now, I interviewed my mother once about hospitality because I thought she was a pro, but then I found out otherwise. I mean, she was a pro by the time I was born, but I was number four of five kids. She told me that her mother had never entertained and that she was scared to death to have anyone over after she got married. Once my dad invited the entire deacon board over for pie and coffee. Now, the funny thing was back in the, well, this was probably in the 40s, when my brothers were little, they lived in um, New Jersey. Mom knew how to make a great pie, a lost art today, but she didn't know how to make coffee. After putting the pie slices on each plate and then the scoops of ice cream on each plate, she discovered she wasn't able to remove the vacuum-sealed top off the coffee pot. She had to wait a half an hour for it to be removed. By then, you can imagine, the ice cream had all melted, and she said, I was so mortified. I said, mortified? Mom, I'm mortified just listening to to the story. I asked her, why didn't you invite the men into the kitchen? They were probably all engineers. At least my dad was an engineer. He likes to figure out what's wrong. They would probably figure it out. They love a problem to fix. I asked her why she didn't serve the coffee, the pie early and tell everyone what was going on and, and that they would get the coffee, that that would be the real dessert. You know what she said? I would do that now, Sue. <clears throat> but at the time, I was just too insecure. I was too embarrassed. Maybe you could relate. I've met women who are far older than in their 30s who are still just too insecure and embarrassed to show that they've made a mistake. The more mature person can laugh at her mistake and failures more easily. Here's a good point to remember. We can be too insecure to allow ourselves to fail. So we didn't get practice in finding out that our failure didn't really matter. Boy, I need to preach this this to myself. I need to do something right now or this week that's kind of scary for me. (sighs) I just need to realize that even if I fail, it doesn't matter. I learn a lot of good lessons. So it's good to get practice in failing, but we can't even get that practice unless we try, right? Entertaining is all about image. Hospitality is about giving the gift of yourself. Never forget that. Entertaining is about image. 
Hospitality is about giving the gift of yourself. And as followers of Christ, we want to give ourselves away because that's what he did for us. Here's what we can learn from my mortified mom. My mom overcame her upbringing and her insecurity through years of practice. She and my Aunt Joy would have each other's families over every other Sunday, pot roast at my aunt's and roast chicken at my house, partly because my mom said so that they could um, practice with each other, practice with someone that they felt safe with. And by the time I came along, I had no idea that my mother had ever struggled with it. She was more secure by the time I noticed. Philip Yancey calls this a pattern of ungrace, something that we can break when we become aware of it. We've been um, ungraced with a pattern from our upbringing. But once we figure that out, we become aware of it, we can begin to ask God to help us to move out from it. Mom broke that pattern that she had been raised with, and she started a new cycle, one that my brothers and sisters have continued in their families. It always amazes me to find out just how many people are at my sister's homes for Thanksgiving or Easter, how many roasts and turkeys were provided, and how many extra ovens were needed. And we all know how to make coffee. I know some of you uh, who are listening did not grow up in hospitable homes, but you overcame that. It took courage. You saw the value of changing that cycle and pattern. And if you haven't yet, you can start this week. I like French roast with half and half, but I'll come over for anything. Are you willing to take the challenge to break the cycle of ungrace that you may have been raised with? A friend had a different cycle to break. Her mother was an elaborate hostess, so my friend wouldn't even try having someone over for dinner for fear that she couldn't live up to how she was raised. She had a wrong view of hospitality. Our upbringing can immobilize us from opening our doors for heaven's sake. So why bother? I know hospitality is a risk, and I know it's a lot of work from personal experience. Here are some reasons some good reasons to bother, to go ahead and invite anyway. Number one, it's worth the plunge and the effort to introduce others to God. He has a welcome table, and we need to invite others to it. Maybe someone would only discover his welcome at your table. People are far more apt to come for coffee than to come to church or to Bible study. We need to start somewhere. It's why we are still on earth. Otherwise, God would just save us and beam us right up to heaven. Secondly, it's worth the risk and the effort for yourself. I've done it because I was desperate for friends. If they didn't invite me, I would have to invite them, especially when I would move to new places. When I was single, I wondered why people didn't invite me over for lunch on Sunday. I was lonely. So finally, I took the initiative, and since I... I worked full-time. I had women over on Saturday breakfast. They were inexpensive. Breakfasts are a lot cheaper. If you're, if you're hindered by a budget, boy, I can relate. But do a, uh, an egg bake. They're not very expensive. And these women were surprised I could cook. I'm not sure I could cook, but I could read. I could read a recipe. By the time I left that church, it was four years into that, I had six wonderful older women in my life who loved me and gave great input into my spiritual growth. We all need at least one or maybe six people in our lives that we are inviting over and giving input 
into and that they will be a blessing to you and to your children. And they will pray for your children. Number three, it's worth whatever it takes because of the value for your own kids so that they won't have to go through the same insecurities that you went through. And it's worth the courage and the time for the sake of those who need your invitation, believers and unbelievers. Women are lonely. You need to invite the woman who is lonely and doesn't have the wherewithal to invite you over. Maybe that woman is you. I want to tell you a story. It's about Middle Eastern hospitality. It's in the Bible. Jesus was preparing a meal on the beach. Now that fits with our California lifestyle. And isn't that what we think of when we say hospitality? Food. That hangs people up often because they don't like to cook or it's too much work or they're too broke, whatever. We'll talk about that next time. Jesus said to his friends in John chapter 21, come and have breakfast. There's an invitation I never want to say no to. And not just because Jesus is saying it. I just like to come and have breakfast. It was bread and fish. He even asked them to add to the pot. Jesus had some bread and fish, but he said, bring some of your fish. God will always provide. Keep that in mind. Jesus had the fish, but he invites our participation. It's not like God needs us. He just knows what we will gain if we join in the fun. Now here's the point. Following that simple meal was one of the most intimate conversations recorded in the New Testament. Believe me, it's true. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? three times. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you after you've had bread and fish? I can't. What a beautiful story, but kind of a hard conversation to hear. We're overhearing it here. Now, the Lord Jesus knew the answer. Isn't that interesting? He's always asking us questions, but he wants us to say the answer. He already knows the answer. It was so great that he gave Peter a chance to say out loud to make up for what he had said before. Peter had denied Christ three times right before. Remember that? The night before he was crucified. Here was an opportunity to remove the cloud over his head and reveal his heart to his Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, then show it by following me and feeding my lambs, and ultimately you will die for me. This is not your usual breakfast conversation. Peter's response was an impassioned, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. This precious interchange between Peter and his master was the most significant event of this breakfast. And and John must have thought it was important too because he ended his whole book with this story. This is what I want you to remember. What these men had to eat was definitely secondary to the whole situation. In fact, we see here a perfect example of the meal being the vehicle for the exhortation and the true fellowship, the forgiveness that was going on, and the accepting of the apology and meaningful relationship to take place all over breakfast. In much of entertaining, the meal is the main event. I like those kinds of events, but that's not what God means by hospitality. We need to get over that. Come and have breakfast is an invitation Jesus used to change a man's life. Think about that. Talk about hospitality with the purpose. 
When we ask ourselves the question, why bother doing hospitality? Here's the real answer. God wants to use our hospitality as a vehicle for Him to change lives, ours and those we invite. We are to be His welcome to the world. Next time, we're going to talk about what real hospitality is and how we can get started. Have a wonderful day. You know you've been welcomed by God. So start by coming to Him. You might have some bread and fish for dinner just to remind you of that invitation. And then text someone and have them over for coffee later this week. You have a wonderful day. Thanks. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.